0: You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast, sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Hey, hey, Jess O'Reilly, your friendly neighborhood sexologist here on my own without Brandon this week, but he will return for next week's episode, I promise. And I'm excited today because we're talking about Autocunnilingus, When to Say I Love You, Sex with an X, and most importantly, it is Masturbation May. So we will be talking about self-pleasure with an old friend of mine, Dr. Megan Stubbs, a sexologist and now an author who has a brand new book all about self-love and self-pleasure and navigating life on your own. It's on the shelves coming at you right about now. Before Megan joins me, I want to answer some of your super interesting questions you sent in, as well as say a big shout out to our sponsors at adamandeve.com. Adamandeve.com, they're offering 50% off almost any item plus free shipping and a host of other free gifts with code Dr. Jess. D R J E S S. Adamandeve.com sells. Pretty much everything from lube and massage oils to butt plugs and vibrators and dildos and restraints and lingerie and all of the fun stuff you can use to spice up the bedroom. So check them out, adamandeve.com. And again, use code Dr. Jess to save. Now, I want to start with (laughs) the topic of auto cunnilingus because the other day I got a couple of questions about auto from somebody who wanted to know whether or not it's possible and how to do it and it's not something you know I've spent much time talking about or thinking about so I had to spend some time looking up what I could find um, chatting with some clients and basically so auto obviously refers to going down on yourself so on your labia so not on a penis which might for some people potentially be easier to reach Still pretty unrealistic for most people. But autocunnilingus, so going down on yourself, just in the end, isn't realistic for most of us. So if you are a really talented and probably professionally trained acrobat or contortionist, maybe it's doable. But in all of the spaces I've been in, where I see people doing all sorts of sexual things, you know, at like festivals and parties and gatherings, I've never seen it happen. So it doesn't mean it's impossible. It's just that I think the vast majority of us don't have the flexibility to try it comfortably and safely. And I was thinking that it probably takes the same amount of training as it might take a contortionist to learn to put their head through their legs. And I guess once you've mastered that part, maybe you don't even have to worry about technique because you know your body and you can just go at it. They were asking about risks as well, and I would say probably the risk is really muscle strain or bodily injuries. You're probably not going to you know, worry about, for example, spreading... Herpes, cold sores to your genital region because you're probably going to hurt your neck before you even get that far. So as I was answering this question for this person, I was kind of thinking about, okay, so what can you do if you can't go down on yourself? And I was thinking about ways that you can kind of enjoy the sensations of oral while playing solo. So first and foremost, anything your tongue can do, a wet finger with lubricant can do probably just as well if not Better, right? Your fingers have more dexterity, more precision. So slather your finger in your favorite lube and just kind of lick all around your lips, your clit, anything down there so that it feels like a tongue. So that's one option to simulate using your tongue. I was also thinking if you like the sensation of kind of gentle suction, especially maybe around the head of your clit, you could use a pleasure air toy that simulates oral sex so like the womanizer toys which you heard me talk about in the past and again with a lubricant that could feel really good and then I was also thinking that if you like the sensation of oral sex you might play with running water right sort of use a detachable shower head or there are different toys like the water slide and the femme fountain to just play with the movement and texture and temperature and the tingle of water all around your vulva now if there's someone out there who has been able to enjoy or try or master autocunnilingus, let me know, man. <laughs> Holler at me and let me know because I've never seen it and I haven't been able to find anyone, you know, in my network or even on my social media networks who can do it. But maybe it's you. So if it's you, please reach out. <laughs> and yeah, this is my probably my first time publicly talking about autocunnilingus and I hope that one day... I get to see it, too, and come back to you and tell you what it looked like. I don't think I'm ever going to get to experience it because I am not that flexible. Yeah, so we're going to leave it at that. (laughs) Another person wrote in this week really fretting about the fact that their boyfriend of over a year has yet to say... I love you and they want to know if it's normal and what to do and if something is wrong are they emotionally unavailable do they not love me it's kind of a long message what I would say is that some people are really effusive in expressing how they feel with their words and others are not and these differences can be related to culture and family background and just of course individual variation I think identity comes into play you know gender age race have you been given permission throughout your life to say how you feel, to express yourself tenderly, to put yourself in a potentially vulnerable position. And I think it's important to note that saying it is one way to express love, but there are so many other ways. And some people love really deeply in both feeling and action without actually saying those three little words. And others, as you know, say the words, but don't enact love in their actions right you can say you love someone but do you treat them well you know there are people who say i love you all the time but their behavior says otherwise or they say i love you and their behavior is abusive so it's not the only way to know that a partner loves you i wouldn't take it as a sign that you know something is wrong it may not align with what you need though so what i would say is if it's important for you to hear the words i love you you've got to let your partner know so maybe try not to complain or criticize so rather than saying like you don't say I love you or you never say it or you know I say it all the time uh, rather than complaining or criticizing or comparing kind of just state your desires say what you want you can say you know I'd love to hear how you feel about me in words. You know, I love you and I want to know if you feel the same. And I know it can be hard to say it, but for me, it would feel really good to hear it. So what can I do (laughs) to help you utter those three little words? So I think this is a conversation to to be had and... Of course, we've got all these models of what's normal in relationships, right? We've got these ideas that, oh, there's the first time they say I love you. And we've got models from romantic comedies and from sitcoms and from different popular culture representations. And when we don't fit into those or our partner doesn't align with some of those messages we've received it can feel like something's wrong and that may not be the case it might just be a matter of this you know human variation so please I hope you speak up and I hope you get to hear the words that you need to hear and I I wish Brandon were here well I always wish Brandon was here but I know he would talk about the fact that over the years he has pushed his comfort zone to say things to me that maybe don't come naturally that aren't a part of his you know easily accessible vocabulary that weren't a part of his upbringing and so when he comes back maybe we can chat about how he's pushed through the discomfort I love you wasn't hard for him I wouldn't say those three words were hard but other things that I need to hear because I'm super verbal I'm just you know I'm not visual I guess I like acts of service but really I, I like to hear words right I'm a I'm a words person. That's why I say so many of them. Okay, a reminder to keep myself moving along because I do want to make sure we have lots of time to talk to Megan. I have one more question I'm going to share with you. So this person, this was also a long one, but the gist of it is I keep going back to my ex for sex. I can't help myself. Am I self-sabotaging or should I just keep going because it feels good? And we were talking about exes last week and whether or not You know, you can invite an ex to a wedding. And I put that out on my Instagram and I got, ooh, some really (laughs) ranging answers. So some people said, yes, absolutely. I invited my ex and now they're best friends with my partner. There were people who used a bunch of expletives (laughs) to describe their exes. And exes are a bit of a hot topic right now just in in the media because uh, J. Lo and Ben Affleck, there are rumors swirling that they're getting back together. So I've been doing a lot lot of interviews around how to navigate these relationships with exes. So for this person, I want to say, you know, lots of people do go back to their exes. Lots of people sleep with their exes, often in the early days after breakup. In some cases, we see that the sex really improves after the breakup because... The relationship issues remain, but if you're just having sex with a familiar partner without the complications of everyday life, it can be really hot and it, it is really normal to sometimes crave the comfort of an ex because you know as humans we naturally crave comfort and predictability but also excitement and novelty and sex with an ex offers kind of a balance of both worlds because you get the thrill of having sex with someone with whom you're not in a relationship and you probably have some history and a little bit of tension there which is hot but you also get the security of already knowing one another intimately right like you already know what you look like naked so you know there's there's that nice balance and and so for you you know you're asking Am I self-sabotaging? Should I keep doing it because it feels good? I mean, you're the expert in your experience. I'd say that I don't think any idea is universally good or bad. So, you know, have sex with your ex if you want to, if the sex is satisfying, if you're not using it as a means to kind of get back together, unless you both want that. But if your ex has been clear that a reunion is sort of not in the cards, hopefully you're not saying one thing and doing another. And if you feel good about it, right? If, If it feels good and you walk away feeling good about yourself and it's not attached to a bunch of strings where maybe they're making you feel badly about yourself or there's, you know, a demeaning piece or a controlling piece or a power piece that doesn't feel good for you, then by all means go for it. And I guess on the flip side, if you find you're feeling badly about it after or if you know they're trying to get back together with you and you don't want to get back together with them. I think that as humans, we have some responsibility. Not that we're responsible for other people, but if you know that there's this mismatch, maybe it's up to you to to set the boundary and stop doing it. If you're doing it just to keep tabs on them, if you're doing it because you feel pressured, which doesn't sound like it there, then maybe you want to take a break from it or or see if there are other alternatives in terms of partners or toys or whatever you have access to or yourself, which is, you know, what we're about to dive into now. So, yeah, I don't think it's universally bad or good. Kind of just ask yourself how you feel about it. Um, try and examine some of the sociocultural pressures. So if you feel badly about it, is it because being around them feels bad or is it because you feel guilty because you feel like you should be moving on there are no shoulds right like you determine what your shoulds are in terms of what is healthy for you so I hope that's helpful I know you know radio advice and experts on error are always like you must do this you must do that or this is a sign of this or this is a sign of that but you know life is just a little more nuanced than that so I hope this is helpful even though I'm not really able to give you a definitive yes or no. All right. So we're going to stop there with the questions and dive into our interview today with my good old friend, Megan Stubbs, sexologist, speaker, and author. Dr. Megan Stubbs, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? Good. It's so good to be hanging with you. We go way, way back, and you were one of my very first podcast guests when it was just me, Sans Brandon, and we talked about just this topic a few years ago, masturbation, and now you're writing a book on just that topic. Now, it's a little broader than that, but I'm super to, excited to be talking with you.
1: Yeah, I'm super happy to be here, and I could talk about masturbation all day long. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but can you masturbate all day long?
1: If I have enough time, Yeah. <laughs> And water breaks and snack
0: breaks, (laughs) totally. Snacks, those are the key. So tell us all about your new book, Playing Without a Partner, A Single's Guide to Sex, Dating, and Happiness. This is your baby. What is the key takeaway here for readers?
1: This book, while it is for single, air quotes people, it's really a book about empowering yourself and making sure that your home base, whether that's your mental health, your sexual health, or just, you know, your own self-esteem is rock solid. So the book is filled with tips of how to build yourself up, get sexual satisfaction by yourself and know that you right now at this very moment are whole, complete and deserving of pleasure and can bring about amazing sexual satisfaction all on your own without adding someone else to your life. I love that. Now you're single, correct? Super single. <laughs>
0: Ooh, you're a super single. I've heard of a super swinger, but uh, maybe this is something different. So what (laughs) what do you love about being single?
1: What do I love about being single? I like that I can just pick up and do anything at any time. I'm like beholden to no one else. I keep my own schedule. I don't have to check in with someone like hey, I'm going to start baking bread at 11pm. Is that going to keep you up? Because it's just me and my dog. So (laughs) he's down for any kind of kitchen activity whenever. So he's never going to complain. But you know, in normative times, I can, you know, take a long weekend trip or go visit friends somewhere at the drop of a hat because it's just me. So I really love the freedom and flexibility I have to maybe explore new passions or just dabble in weird stuff like late night baking.
0: <laughs> I love your baking pics. Of course, I love your dog Kronos. Now you say that to have a fulfilling sex life as a single person, whether it's, you know, engaging with a brand new partner or relying on self love to meet your needs. It really starts with learning to live a fulfilled single life in general. So what is an actionable step folks can take to be more fulfilled? And I imagine this applies whether you're single or partnered.
1: Yeah, know that you don't have to rely on your partner to be your everything. I think a lot of times society puts on this like, they're my best friend, my travel partner, my buddy, my sexual partner, my accountability partner and all these things on your relationship. And it's like, you know, your partner is awesome but they don't have to be everything to you. You know, spread that wealth around. So taking it back to yourself, know that you don't have to say your partner's always stressed out, they never wanna have sex with me. You can have sex with yourself. Kind of like that self-soothing point of view. Like what can you do right now to make yourself feel good and there's a whole variety of things you can do from masturbation you know meditation just taking time for some self-care go get a massage or just you know read a book go take a walk that's all things you can do on your own and very low cost too so it's not like self-care is used dropping $500 spa you can do a lot of great things on your own at home
0: You know, that's a really great point because when we talk about differentials and desire among couples, you know, we tend to go to solo sex. But people generally will complain about that. They're like, well, I don't want to have sex with myself. I want to have sex with my partner. So how do we tear down this hierarchy in which partnered sex is kind of at the top and masturbation and solo sex is down at the bottom? How, How can we
1: shift that? You just have to listen to experts (laughs) because we're in the field telling you (laughs) that that isn't necessarily the hierarchy. You can have amazing, awesome, fulfilling, mind blowing orgasms by yourself. You don't have to have it with a partner. So maybe if you are of that mindset, take some time for masturbation with yourself, maybe edge and see what you can bring about on your own. Because unless you've tried it, you really can't say no poo poo, no masturbation for me. It's only the partnered sex road for me.
0: Yeah, you're really making me think about the fact that this hierarchy exists. And if you're not a great sexual partner to yourself, why would you assume you're a great sexual partner to a partner, right? And so I'm not suggesting that, you know, people don't desire touch or connection or, you know, sexual pleasure with another person. But the data actually suggests that many of us are more likely to orgasm with ourselves than with our partner. Yet we treat masturbation like it's something that you do if you can't get a partner or something that you do when you're kind of in a rut or something that you do, uh, I don't know, just to fall asleep as opposed to this array of sexual experiences you can explore you know new positions new approaches new techniques all these things you can do to yourself if you're not willing to try and you know play with variety and experimentation on your own I I would challenge well why are you willing to do that with a partner are you really willing and you mentioned edging so I'd love to talk about edging and what that looks like on your own and like most sexual activities it's almost always best to try it by yourself first so walk us through what edging looks like.
1: So edging is where you're stimulating yourself, building that arousal, that anticipation and getting to the brink of orgasm and then stopping or slowing down the sensation. So you don't tip over that cliff into orgasm land. And so you bring yourself up to the peak almost and then come back down, then back up again. And how many times you want to repeat that's up to you. But once you're done and you're like, okay, we're going to go all the way over the cliff. It can be a really powerful orgasm experience.
0: And why do you suggest people try this on their own as opposed to with a partner, at least to begin with?
1: For sure. I mean, like with any new sexual practice, trying it on yourself is a really great way to gauge the feeling and sensations. And also when you're by yourself, there's no pressure to perform or be self-conscious about how you're reacting or what's going on with your body because it's just you. So it's very, very safe. So you're not worried about like, am I taking too long? Does my technique look weird? Am I doing this right? You're just you yourself in your room. Maybe your animal's watching you in your room too. I don't know your life, but you know, it's just you doing the action. (laughs) So there's no outside audience to make you feel insecure.
0: Yeah, I really love that. And you're learning to recognize the response in your own body. In fact, A version of edging is what we teach in our last, I have a How to Last Longer in Bed course, Six Steps to Overcome Premature Ejaculation. And it's a version of kind of going up and down and recognizing, okay, if 10 is an orgasm, what does it feel like to be at a nine? How do I bring myself back down to a seven? What does a six feel like? It's really about learning about your own body. And I have to admit, although I definitely have sex with myself, I can't say that I've Invested the same in sex with myself as I have with a partner. And this kind of comes from my own bias and my couple's privilege. And kind of always, I've always kind of had a long term partner, especially in my adult life. And so I don't know, I think I need this reminder to go back and actually play with myself, not literally play with myself, but play, play, be playful. Because when I do have sex with myself, it's usually just to get off. It's kind of just quick. It's more maintenance sex. And we're always telling people, you know, in relationships, if you want to keep it exciting, you got to try new things. So I really, I need this reminder. And I remember, do you remember back when you did your SAR yeah. that you had to masturbate in a new way? Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> so for folks who aren't aware, anybody who studies sexuality generally does something called a SAR, and it goes by a few different names, but it's sexual attitude restructuring or reassessment or one version like that and you are being exposed to a bunch of sexual images a bunch of sexual experiences you're reflecting upon your own sexual experiences but I remember that part standing out to masturbate in a new way to masturbate in a new position and I remember finding myself really resistant to it right like I I really how do I break how do we break down that resistance
1: Yeah, it's like, don't fix what's not broken. I like it this way. But it's the challenge. It's pushing yourself. It's exploring, having that curiosity about, okay, I'm a back masturbator. What would it look like if I, you know, went on my stomach? How does that feel? What if I, you know, rub up against a couch and hump the, the, not the leg, but the arm? You know, how does this feel? What new sensations am I discovering? And so you're right. It was confronting. I was like, I don't want to do this. I know what works for me. But unless you explore and try, you don't know. Absolutely.
0: Now for singles and couples alike, we're playing with toys. So do you talk about toys in the book or do you have some favorite toys that you recommend?
1: Yeah. So I have a gateway toy (laughs) to the sex world. And I always say (laughs) picking up a bullet vibrator is like the gateway toy to sex toys. It's very oftentimes inexpensive, very accessible. I think a lot of like big brands now are in big box stores. So you can literally go to like your local pharmacy and get a aid, a sex toy in the like, you know, condom aisle. And that's a great toy to explore because it's small, inexpensive. And it's just like a taste of what, you know, vibration can feel like. And so, of course, there's a hierarchy, not a hierarchy, a variety of vibrators where it's a buzzy, hummy, deep rumbly. And so as you explore those different sensations, you can say, OK, I'm more of a buzzy person. OK, now I'm going to search buzzy vibrators. And then you're like, well, maybe I want to try internal stimulation. OK, now we'll go for some dual motor vibrators. So it's just kind of like a choose your own adventure. And a bullet vibrator is the greatest starting point, in my opinion, <laughs> to Enter the sex toy realm.
0: I love that. Do you have a favorite bullet vibe?
1: Yeah, the Wii vibe.
0: <laughs> Is <laughs> the it the touch. tango? Oh, the touch. Oh, That's mine, no, the too. tango, the tango, you're right. Yeah, Yeah, <laughs> and now they've made a new one called the tango X.
1: Yeah, I saw on your stories. That looks sleek.
0: Yeah, I really like it. And it's got like kind of a, it's a more grippable handle, if that makes sense. So yes. I'm, I'm definitely a fan. I feel like this is a time to go ahead and plug WeVibe. So at WeVibe.com, you can check out the Tango X uh, or the Touch X. So you love the Tango X. I actually love the Touch X, which is, I guess, not really a bullet vibe. It's a flatter vibe. It sort of looks like a tongue. And, uh, yeah, I'm just such a fan of these toys. And folks can save a couple bucks with the code Dr. Jess at WeVibe.com. But let's take it back to you. Let's talk, Lay. What are some – do you have some techniques or approaches that we can use to make solo sex more fun and fulfilling?
1: Yeah, Make it a full-on ordeal don't just say like oh i'm going to bed early 15 minutes let's masturbate that's totally valid that's a great way to you know fit masturbation in but make it a thing. Be like, all right, I'm going to bed two hours early. I'm gonna set the scene with every kind of sense we're peeing in on. So lighting, I'm gonna have candles. sound I'm gonna play my favorite slow jams on my Bluetooth speaker. Bedding, I'm gonna bust out the nice sheets and the cozy blankets. And you know, I'm gonna have my favorite drink. Maybe it's some herbal tea. Maybe it's a glass of wine but really making a full ordeal. So imagine like you are dating yourself as cliche as that sounds, but put in all that effort you would do for a partner. Like, I'm going to surprise you for a romantic evening. Do that for yourself and then go into the masturbation, but don't just go to your hot spots. you know, try to explore, almost do like a self-sensate focus where you're just touching yourself for curiosity and just being like, oh, how does that feel? And you're going to be building that anticipation. So when you finally do get down to like, it's business, let's go, it's orgasm time. (laughs) You can, you know, have this full sensory array of things impacting that arousal.
0: I love that. I was thinking about full body pleasure. And, uh, you know, I teach that to couples and how to touch from head to toe. But we really can do that for ourselves can't we like running the backs of your fingers against your cheeks not that that's going to give you an orgasm but if you start kind of awakening those nerve endings when you eventually get to orgasm you're going to feel it there and I have to admit I've never done this so I feel a little challenged right now I feel like I need to challenge myself and perhaps challenge you folks to do something different differently this time when you masturbate, whether it's slowing down or lying on your stomach or using a different toy or taking five or 10 minutes to explore your full body before you even get to your genitals or tapping into new fantasies. Like I I really, I think about eating, okay? So it doesn't matter what I'm eating. It doesn't matter if I'm alone. It doesn't matter. I like to eat on the best China I can find with the heaviest cutlery possible. Like if it comes in a little plastic container for takeout, I move it onto a plate and same thing with wine. I don't really like to drink it out of a simple glass. I like it to be in my crystal glass. And there's something about the food and wine experience where I I want to indulge. Like I really want to enjoy it. Even if I'm eating all by myself on the couch in my sweatpants, I don't want to eat off of a plastic or paper plate. And so it's, and and I have to admit, I don't do the same for sex, right? I'm not setting it, or at least solo sex, I'm not setting it up to set the mood like you described. And so yeah, I think that's really great advice.
1: You don't have to do everything all at once. You don't have to you know, invest in nice sheets, get some candles, get a new speaker, um, you know, get a case of wine. You can just start slowly by incorporating one thing. If you're gonna go to bed a little bit early, say, okay, maybe I'll light a candle this time. Or like, you know what, I can just play some music on my phone or something. So you can slowly incorporate these different things. You don't have to go in all or nothing. It's just what works for you at the time. And you can build or take away from there.
0: Now, I also want to talk about dating because all I hear from daters is frustration, that they're frustrated with the apps. And it's from all sides of the aisle, all genders, all ages. So what's the lowdown? What's the reality? What's happening with dating? How can we be better daters? Why, why, are, why do I hear people complaining about dating so much?
1: I think anecdotally speaking, I've had friends who've had great success on dating apps or meeting people, especially during a pandemic. That's been great for them. But then I think the more notorious stories always get the like, you know, gossip in the reach because it's like a bad thing. And so people are complaining because they're not making those authentic connections that they're seeking. And so for me, I'm thinking they might not be as forthcoming in their dating profiles as they should be. They they're like, I'm just out here to see what could happen And I really think the more specific you can get by saying, I'm looking for a long-term closed monogamous relationship. That might sound aggressive, air quotes, to put on your dating profile, but if that's what you want and you're out there saying, just to see what happens, you saw what happened. (laughs) You didn't get what you wanted. So if you don't ask for what you want, you're not going to get what you want. So if people are being inauthentic, or not inauthentic, but like not as forthcoming of what they really want when they're seeking out partners, chances are you're not going to find the right partner who's the right fit
0: do you think this comes down to trying to cast a wider net like I'm saying that I'm just out here to see what happens because I'm hoping that will help me meet more people and increase my chances of finding the right one is is that why people are doing this or is it that they don't really know what they want because you spend some time in your book helping people to better understand themselves like your your book you, you talk about so many different things you're talking about body image you're talking about money you're talking about values you're talking about communication you're talking about what to do when you have an emotional breakdown like yes it's about playing without a partner sexually, but it's also just about finding life fulfillment. So do people know what they want and how can you help them figure out what it is we do want?
1: Yeah, twofold. So I love the example of you saying they're casting a wide net. That's great to cast a wide net, but know that everything you catch in that net isn't going to be a keeper. So the more specific, if we're going to keep with the fishing analogy, the more specific (laughs) bait, The lure, the hook you have, the more chances you are you're going to hook the right fish that you want. But yeah, especially in the book, I want to have these people who are single right now, whether it's by choice or they just found themselves single. or They're a long term single person like me. I want them to have the best, most solid footing foundation they can with themselves so they can say I'm looking for a partner who's, you know, maybe open to swinging and is a little bit kinky. And, you know, you have all these things you're looking for in a partner. Once you have that down for yourself, the better able you are to seek that out in the greater ocean of people and partners. But if you're just saying like, ah, you know, we'll see what happens. And you find someone that's super great, but you find out they're like a tobacco user. uh, You know, but if you say in the beginning, no smoking, no tobacco use, then you're not going to have that person who might not be a fit for you. But then also going back into that, make yourself a hierarchy of things that you can compromise on as opposed to just like hard nose maybe smoking is like a maybe hit or miss thing for you maybe them being a cat lover is a hit or miss for you I love dogs but if he has a cat I could live with that
0: (laughs) (laughs) that makes sense now I hear from people who say that daters are just too picky what do you think of that
1: I'd rather have them be too picky than jumping into a relationship for, I don't know, like feeling like I'm stuck or feeling like this will just be the next thing or I can change them. Be picky. This is a serious thing. This isn't like you choosing turkey versus ham on a sandwich. This is you making a relationship, creating a life with someone, going to, you know, build your future together. So if you have the wrong pick, this isn't like a flippant thing of like, oh, next time I'll make sure I pick, you know, turkey instead. This is a serious thing, so get specific on what you want.
0: And what about folks who get picky about things like height or appearance or, you know, those or income? What do you think about things like that? Because it it seems to me that, you know, height is not going to create a fulfilling relationship. Um, (laughs) Eye color is not going to create something that lasts a lifetime. Even finance, of course, I'm not saying money doesn't matter to people and doesn't adversely or positively affect relationships. But uh, what about what about those type of pickiness factors?
1: So prefacing with everyone has their right to preferences. That's, we're not saying you can't have a you know preference of like, I prefer this, but put that on your hierarchy list of how important is it this person is at least five inches taller than you. Where does that rank with, are they a kind person? Are they funny? Are they going to make me laugh? Do they not like sushi? Like, where does that fall in the hierarchy of things that are important to you? So maybe if you're someone who's like in the sugar lifestyle, you need to have that seven figure bank account, then that might be a super high priority for you. But if you're someone who's looking for someone who's caring, who's, you know, attractive, you know, maybe they're like, I don't know, not your top pick, but they're cute. They're not. You're not repulsed by them. How about that? You're not repulsed by them. They're a good person, but they don't have the biggest bank account. Ask yourself, does that matter? How does that make me feel about them holistically? Because reducing someone to like one attribute, tall, rich, you know, has multiple houses on the beach, (laughs) ask yourself, where does that fall in the hierarchy? And then think, okay, can this person work for me?
0: Yeah, I I do think that we were hung up on certain elements that are more attached to status. Than actual attraction for me personally as I get to know someone that's how attraction builds and I'm not saying there aren't things that I am attracted to physically when right when I meet someone but I am attracted to such a broad range of people like I don't know that I specifically have a type because you know I I don't know I just feel something whether it's their oh first of all I really like the sound of people's voices like that's something that really attracts me but there's just such a huge range so I don't know that it's I I think we need to kind of perhaps loosen I I like the way you put it to create the it, Sure, you have these desires, but can you reorder them and maybe not prioritize the things that aren't actually going to make for a happy relationship or a, an exciting sex life, however, whatever it is you're looking for? Now, I'd like to ask you about hooking up because how do you, as a single person, if you're just hooking up with someone, maybe you're having a one night stand or they're a new partner, how do you tell them what you're into?
1: You know, a really great way of doing this, I think, is like doing some playful sexting before you meet or maybe before you're going to have your first sexual experience. It's a safe medium because you're just texting through phone. It's not you saying like, I'm into this, 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 and this. I hope you like that too. <laughs> you can just be playful and say, you know, hey, what do you think about this? Or even better, I love the third party option of saying like, hey, I just read this article or heard this podcast where they talked about uh, rimming, you know, would you ever try that? Would you be into that? And then you can get their reaction More authentically than you saying, like, I'm into rimming. Hope you are, too. And then they're like, oh, shit, like, I'm not really into it, but they're into it. So I guess I'll say I'm into it. So you want to make sure you have a comfortable communication way with your partner when talking about new sexual things.
0: Well, so you've written this book, Playing Without a Partner, but you're also a sexologist. So you bring up rimming. Let me just ask you, can you tell us what rimming is, how to do it, how to do it safely?
1: Rimming is where you're performing oral sex on the butt. (laughs) So you are licking your partner's butt, possibly putting a finger in there. Various ways to keep yourself safe. You can use a dental dam. You can also use a glove cut with the fingers removed, but the thumb's still kept on. So you can engage in penetration with a barrier still. We can also talk about enemas. You don't necessarily have to do enemas. That's an option for you if you want to get a clean out and make sure that there's no remaining poop. Because if we're talking about butt stuff, we have to talk about poop. So Depending on your level of comfort, there's different levels of things you can do to protect yourself and be safe.
0: Love it. And you can, with rimming also, you can kind of, uh, my favorite move is the flower petal move where your tongue is kind of working your way around the external pucker or butthole and you're painting petals all around. I don't know. I think it's like, I find that just so sensual. Yes. And I also like the karate chop slide where you've got your hand slathered in lube and you're kind of gently sliding your hand like you're karate chopping the butt, but much more slowly and gently between the butt cheeks, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, boom! Ooh, that's so nice. Yeah, yeah super sensual. <laughs> Did you like okay. that, baby?
0: Oh. <laughs> and you need that communication in casual hookups as well. There's no reason why you can't talk about what you like. You recommend, and I love this piece of advice for a one night
1: stand: to be selfish. Yeah, because you don't know this person. You literally met them that night because that's a one night stand. You have to say, hey, I like it this way. Also, tell me how you like it, too. Because otherwise, if you're just fumbling around with two bodies, maybe you'll have compatibility and maybe you'll touch the right spots. But unless you say, I like it like this here, this works. Hey, I'd love it if you switched up and did this instead. You're just kind of leaving it up to like chance. And I don't want to have any more chance sex. That was my 20s. I want to be specific and be intentional with the sex that I'm having. (laughs)
0: Right. This is, you know, you want to make it worth your while. So... What about if you have more specific needs? So perhaps you're, you know, for example, if you're a sexual assault survivor, how do you bring that up with a casual or hookup partner? Because most of the advice out there centers around disclosing within relationships.
1: Yeah, you can just simply say like, hey, I'd prefer if we didn't, you know, something about an act that specifically isn't okay for you to say if we can stick away from doing anything like doggy style, or you, you know, belittling me with names or something. But just telling them, you don't have to say like, hey, this happened and go into the whole long story to say, hey, I'd prefer if we didn't do these things because they don't work out for me or they're not good for me. Is that okay with you? And hopefully they say yes.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. I think it's so important to communicate our needs. And I was thinking about, you know, when you go for a massage, they'll ask you if there's any areas that are tender. And so, for example, I don't like my knees touched. I don't know why. I don't I don't mind my knees touched if they're bent, but if my legs are straight, I don't know if they're a little bit ticklish or reactive, but I have no problem communicating that because it's my body and, you know, I'm there to feel good, hopefully, at a, at a massage session. Sorry, did I say RMT? I don't know if that's a, a thing in the States, but basically a registered massage therapist of, of some type. I think they're probably called licensed massage therapists in the states. Uh, Sometimes I have to do my Canadian translation for folks. But it's the same thing where you can say, you know, you might, first of all, people can disclose as much as they want, or as little as they want. But you might say, you know, I'm a survivor, I don't like to be touched here, or I'm a survivor, so there's certain sounds I don't like, or I'm a survivor, and what I really like is, right? Sometimes you can you can tell somebody what you want, as opposed to what you don't want. I I like that approach. Now, let's switch gears before I let you go. Uh, And I want to ask about doggy position and gas on a date because there's a section in your book where you talk about what to do if you're feeling really gassy and you know of course I am really I don't know if I'm regretting We're super thankful that Brandon isn't here at this moment, but let's talk about gassy dates.
1: I've been saving all of these like worst case scenario things for so long being like, they're going to go in the book one day. (laughs) (laughs) So if you find yourself on a date where you have gas, you can go into the restroom and you can go into like the down dog position and, you know, kind of be in that position, maybe sway around a little bit. And usually the gas will, because gas rises, it will usually exit your body quickly because it's so uncomfortable i mean at least i've been there when you have like painful gas and you're sitting there and it's like you're trying to grin and bear it or you're like shifting in your chair you can just excuse yourself and hopefully relieve it and then come back and then be fine hoping that the restaurant has more than one bathroom but that's a separate issue so we're just talking about relieving gas right now
0: So downward I dog. I have been there so... one time, though. Oh, yeah.
1: So downward dog. You're going to be on your hand. Put some towels down. So paper towel down on your hands and then lifting your back legs up. So you're kind of like in a triangle position. So your head is lower than your butt or like the song Face Down, Ass Up. <laughs> so we're letting the gas leave.
0: But in the least sexy way, unless you're into gas, which some people are. And that's a whole whole other thing. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And you save it up for after dinner. So May 11th is when your book, Playing Without a Partner, A Single's Guide to Sex, Dating, and Happiness releases.
1: Where can people learn more about you, Megan? You can find me at sexologistmegan.com. And I'm, I'm at sexologistmegan on Instagram and Twitter.
0: Thank you so much. Always great to chat with you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a joy to chat with you always.
0: And thank you for tuning
1: in. Please
0: be sure to follow along with Dr. Megan Stubbs and check out our sponsor, AdamandEve.com, offering 50% off almost any item plus free shipping and a whole bunch of other free goodies with code Dr. Jess. AdamandEve.com for all the goodies and good vibes you can imagine. Folks, wherever you're at, I hope you're having a great one. We'll be back next Friday with a brand new episode.